Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Podcast. I'm Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is Richie Schneiderate. Richie, we're here to talk Iowa Rutgers Saturday night, big game in Piscataway. We have a guest coming on shortly. He is the host of the Locked On Iowa podcast. His name is Trent Condon. Uh, but first, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to line, first to market. Odds and lines. You can find reviews for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the op- top online resource for all your favorite sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. You'd head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, I know we don't have a ton of time today, but I got I got to say, five leg parlay yesterday with Darren Judge home run, Yankees over, Yankees spread. Oof! Oh my God! I had a same game parlay that missed. It was like a six game same game parlay that missed mm-hmm. on one yard the other day. Oh um, yeah, AJ Brown yeah. over seventy yards. He had sixty nine, so I would have won like five grand. That's why you bet on. You don't bet on the Eagles, but hey, whatever. It's been going uh, pretty well so far. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, we were also sponsored by Adam Goldman, the franchise coach. If you don't know Adam, Adam is a uh, 10-year veteran in the business. He's been uh, kind of helping people just find a new American dream. Um, kind of if you're just bored with your same all-day uh, desk job all day, every day, that 9 to 5 just kind of killing you, you kind of want to create your own business. He's the guy you want to talk to. Uh, he's a Jersey guy, Night Report member, Scarlet Knights fan. Uh, I think we're going to have him on the pod next week to talk a little more in depth about what he does for uh I guess a little more of a better explanation than what I'm doing right now. But uh, if you kind of want to change up your career, hit him up, uh, 844-800-3726 or franchisecoach.net. He can kind of, uh, you can own your own business and it's pretty easy and he can help you out. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be exciting to have him on um, so we can actually meet our, our fans. Um, so this game, obviously it's a 7 p.m. kickoff, first Oof. night game. In the Big Ten for Rutgers, uh, with fans in the stands since 2017, Ohio State. A um, lot of excitement around this game. Obviously, it's looking like it's going to be a sellout. It sounds like there's going to there's starting to develop a pretty nice uh, visitor list as well. Uh, do you want to talk about a few of the, the top level names that are going to be there? And if we get cut off, uh, if Trent joins us, we're going to finish this talk at the end of the the podcast, guys. So. Yeah, so I mean, uh, right away, obviously, a couple of the commits are going to be there. Um, so far, Davon Fuse said he's going to be there. Uh, we talked to Jasir Patterson the other day. Uh, he's having a pretty good season for Union City so far. He's going to be there. Um, John Stone, offensive line commit. Uh, there's an interesting 2023 in Zayden Michelle. He's a Holy Trinity guy. Um, he really wants a PWO, and I, I think it's got pretty high potential that he might get one. Uh, Rutgers wants to build that relationship with Holy Trinity. Obviously, they have a couple dudes already. They have Braithwaite, who is going to try to get there. I'm not 100% sure if he'll be there or not. I know he's uh, he suffered an unfortunate injury this past weekend, so he's out for the season, uh, broken collarbone. Um, it's, a, it's a shame because he was having a pretty good year so far. 
played a lot of defense, too, in this past game. Uh, other than that, uh, Nick Farisi, another Holy Trinity kid. Josiah Brown, obviously, uh, was pretty close to committing at one point. Uh, it's, it's, it's very New York heavy right now. Um, Caden Brown's coming up. That, that's huge. Or coming down, I guess, from New York. Um, it's very huge to get him on campus again. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he committed early. Uh, he just has a really, really good relationship with the staff. Uh, Watson's been working him really well. Uh, and with, there, there's a bunch of names out there that are going to be on campus. So, Awesome. And, and joining us, uh, Trent Condon from the Locked On Iowa podcast. Trent, thanks so much for taking some time out of your schedule. I know you're busy uh, to talk this game. Yeah, looking forward to it, guys, and uh, looking forward to Putathon 2022. <laughs> Maybe the lowest uh, total in college football history, at least over the last 22 years. Yeah, the off-sea showdown of the legs. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we see some nice boomers. Maybe get downed on like the one or two yard line. Really get the crowd going. Um, but these these two teams, it's kind of like a mirror image in a lot of ways. Like we both have struggled offensively. We're both pretty upset with our offensive coordinators right now. We have both have great defenses and elite punters. Uh, so we've had a lot of talk this week about why Rutgers fans are upset with Sean Gleason. Why are Iowa fans so upset with Brian Ferentz? Well, there, there's a lot of elements to this, and you kind of start from the forefront of things, and Brian, as the offensive coordinator, did he even deserve the job five years ago? I, I think that was a big part of it. Kirk Ferentz, during his 24 years, offense has never been at the forefront. This has been a program that's been built on defense and special teams, and though they've had some moments offensively, it's never been great. Ken O'Keefe was his first offensive coordinator. Uh, he was there for 10 years before going on and becoming quarterback oh, wow. with the Miami Dolphins. He was a guy that was maligned, but you kind of look back upon it and say, boy, what did we have there? Those were some offenses that could really do some things. Then it went into Greg Davis, who came in from Texas, where he was much maligned. It was a terrible marriage. It was a horizontal passing game with the zone-blocking scheme. It never worked, though they had the 12-0 uh, season in 2015. Overall, it was frustration. And then it goes to Brian, a guy that was... A tight ends coach in New England. He then comes back to be offensive line coach at Iowa. Didn't have the resume. Look, if his name was Brian Jones, there's no way he would have been the offensive coordinator at Iowa. He just didn't have it, but it's not the case. And so you have this nepotism angle that is frustrating in its own right, and he's unfireable. This offense has been nothing short but brutal in his five years. The rushing game, which has always been at least a hallmark of Iowa football, they've been terrible. They've been in the 90s his first two years, 2020 the weird year. They were 58th in the country in rushing. And the last two years, 101st last season and 119th this year. It, it's just it has not worked. And you know Iowa can't throw the football. Now you can't run the football. It just has never worked. And he'll never be fired because, well, his last name is Ferris. There's no way that Kirk is going to fire his son. And, and it just feels like Hawkeye fans, we're just, we're just stuck here. We're just stuck watching this garbage, and nothing will ever change. I had no idea he was the OC for five years now. I thought it was just like he was promoted last year or something, and it was just we're kind of tired of it. I could totally understand why you guys are just fed up at this point then. Uh, but speaking of the offense, uh, you've obviously had some struggles at quarterback, same as us. But what happened to Spencer Petras? Like he had, actually, he had a pretty good year according to PFF last year, but this year he's just he's one of the worst ten quarterbacks in terms of PFF grades. Like his QBR is like seven, and the average mm -hmm. is fifty. Like what's going on with this kid, and why is uh, Iowa refusing to give somebody else a shot at the quarterback? 
Well, and, and that's a, another very layered conversation. So with Petrus, I've never been a fan. I, I've never felt that he is good enough. He is a statue in the pocket. He can't move around. He is maybe the least athletic quarterback I've seen at the Division One level in a long time. There's just no athleticism to him, coupled with a guy that has completely lost his confidence. First game of his career back in 2020, they opened up against Purdue. He threw for 260 yards. Since then, he's only gone over 225 once. That is throughout wow. 2020, 2021, and here three games into 2022. It is a guy that struggles with confidence, a guy that can't move around, and a guy that I think is broken, but there's something. I don't know if he has pictures of the Ferentz family. I don't know what it is, but you know, a season ago, he gets banged up, and it was the Northwestern game. Struggled, he got two drives. You knew he was really banged up and was not able to move even less than normal, and they give the, the job to Alex Padilla. He comes in right away. The offense looks completely different. He's taking shots upfield. He's moving around. He's making plays. He's a little guy. He's listed at 6'1". He's probably 5'11", but he was making plays for them. They beat Minnesota as he's a starter there. They beat Illinois. They score, I think, 31-27 and 27 in those two games. Wow. He struggles in the first half against Nebraska, and it's right back to Petrus, and that's where we are again. The other baffling thing about this is he had a quarterback that moved the football, a quarterback that certainly looked better last year in Padilla, and we were told it was going to be a competition this offseason. Neither guy transferred. They looked around a little bit in the transfer market. I don't think they were heavily involved. I think that was more coach speak than anything and to, to get the media and the fans off of Kirk's back a little bit when they said that. But it was never an open competition. There is something about Spencer Peters. Even going back when he got the job in 2020, this is so un-Kirk Ferentz-like where you have to earn your spot. You have to each and every week earn your spot. He was handed the reins after Nate Stanley uh, graduated in 2019, something that has never happened before in his 24 years at the quarterback position. So it's just an odd, odd marriage. There is something going on that he absolutely loves the guy, and he's not going to change. I've also heard Alex Padilla coming into this year maybe hasn't been in, as engaged and obviously not getting a snap as the worst quarterback in the country through the first three games in Spencer Peters. I can understand, Padilla, why you're checking out and not going into the film room and maybe hanging out downtown a little bit more. You know, those kind of things. You can understand <laughs> it because, hey, if I can't play over the worst quarterback in the country, what's the point? I, I can completely yeah. understand where he's coming from. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so Padilla's kind of interesting to me just because he has a little connection to Rutgers, sort of, because Gus Zawinskis was one of his offensive linemen at Cherry Creek in Colorado. Mm -hmm. But uh, shift, shifting away from the quarterback, what a more offensive line talk. That's what Iowa's always been known for. It's always these big uglies up front. They, they, the recruiting rankings are there. What the hell's going on there? It's baffling. It really is. And this is something that, in fact, Kirk talked about yesterday in his press conference as he talked about, again, cut blocking. So with the zone scheme, you have to be able to cut block. You, mean you go back to the Denver Broncos in their heyday with Elway and, and Terrell Davis and company when zone blocking really came to the front of the lexicon, I think, for football fans. And what you were able to see at that point in time is that cut block, that outside linebacker, the defensive end, you get a cut on them. It allows the cutback lane. You can't do that anymore in college football. And Kirk has complained about it for five years. This started in 2018. Here we are five years later. You still can't cut block the same way, yet they have not adapted the scheme. They haven't changed. And the offensive line is very young right now. With it, it's a very difficult zone scheme to pick up what you need to do and, and the unison that you need to work through. They've been working through a bunch of different guys. Seven, eight guys have seen significant snaps here. So it's kind of a twofold scenario. One, 
you're running a zone blocking scheme that doesn't work today in the college environment, coupled with a really young offensive line. You lose Linderbaum, you go to Logan Jones, who'd never been a center before. He was a defensive lineman a year ago. Now he's your center. A big step back there. Your tackles are, I think, there's a lot of future hope for both of the guys that they're playing at tackle, but both of those guys are still just sophomores in their campaign. The guards are very young, too. I think eventually they're going to get there, but right now it's still a long ways to go. Now there's a guy, number zero, Dom Peterson for Nevada last week. Nevada won the worst defenses in the country. He was in the backfield all night long. It was one of those guys where you're struggling against Nevada. How are you going to be able to move the football against anybody in the Big Ten? No, that's fair. Uh, I, I do want to talk about your skill position players as well. Um, sounds like Keegan Johnson made his first appearance of the season last week, and it maybe got a little banged up. It's, it sounds like he's not expected to play this week. But you also had a breakout performance from your backup running back and Caleb Johnson. So tell us a little bit about who we should watch for on Saturday in terms of Iowa skill position players. Yeah, so it looks like, yeah, Keegan Johnson's going to be out again this week. He is, uh, this was, in fact, last week was the first time he had practiced since December. Oh, didn't wow. play in the bowl game, mm-hmm. didn't go through spring practice. It, it's been a really weird scenario. Iowa has not been willing to really divulge much. Uh, there's been some speculation, hamstring injury, maybe there's a sports hernia injury also in there, and then a bunch of other things. And at Iowa, you got to practice to play, and some people may be thinking that Keegan didn't really want to be out there practicing real hard as he's coming back from these soft tissue injuries. So that's been a part of it. He comes back last week. Of course, he had the two delays in the game as it ends at 2.40, your guys' time out there on the East Coast as that thing finished up. After the uh, first delay, though, he didn't come back into the game. We thought, well, maybe they're just keeping an eye on it. We find out this week he's not going to be there. Uh, we got a new name, though, and a guy from out near your guys' neck of the woods. It was Nico Regani. That's what we've called him for the last four years. Okay. Uh, we found out yesterday in the press conference we've been saying his name wrong for four years, and his dad's mad about it. It's an Italian <laughs> name. we got to get it right. So it's Regaini, and we got to get that right. So Nico Regaini, he came back from a foot injury last week. He was really good, had a big play. He's more of a kind of possession type of receiver, but he's going to be their big play guy. Somebody to keep an eye on, though. He got a couple of opportunities last week, didn't come up with a couple of deep balls, is Brody Brecht. He's a 6'4 wide receiver. He's also on the baseball team. Throws 99 miles an hour. He oh, is. Uh, he started the Big Ten Championship <laughs> game against Michigan. His future is obviously on the baseball field, but he grew up a Hawkeye fan, wanted to run out of the tunnel at Kinnick, and he's going to help them, I think, some deep shots up the field. Good size. He's also coming back a hamstring injury he sustained during summer baseball this year, but uh, that's another one to keep an eye on. And then he mentioned Caleb Johnson in the run game. He was a godsend. A couple of long runs. We talked about the struggles in the game. Uh, saw a couple of uh, places out there that measure, you know, kind of the the miles per hour that he's running. He was going 21.5 miles an hour on his second touchdown run. Wow. He can get up Jeez. and go, and he is put together. He's 6'1", 215. They got him. Uh, he was committed to Cal and was committed to Cal for a long time. An Ohio guy. <laughs> I have some family out in Ohio. I know a couple of high school coaches out there. They knew Ohio State was never going to offer, but they were baffled why the Penn States, the Michigans, the Wisconsins, the world were not after him. They absolutely loved him. Everybody I talked to out there, Iowa got a real gem in Caleb Johnson. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. You guys got a ton of skill players, it sounds like, and just no offense. I guess it's yeah. end of the day. It's, it's a quarterback. It's, it's a quarterback, it's, OC. You, you, you guys will see Petrus, too. The thing about him is it's not you know a scheme. That's a part of it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The offensive line struggles, but... There are simple throws. The South Dakota State game, he sailed eight passes over his receivers' heads. It's Jeez. it's mechanics, footwork. The Bluebirds have been out from the get-go, and because of that, 
I think this is a guy that is just mentally broken. I don't know if there's any coming back from it. His best throws last week against Nevada were just taking shots up the field and something they didn't do against Iowa State at all. They didn't attempt to pass over 10 yards in the game in the loss to Iowa State, which is just absolutely baffling. And you can't do that this week against you guys. I mean, you got to go out there and you got to take shots up the field. When he does that, he's a lot better. But those timing routes, simple out routes, up the seam, those are where he is really struggling right now and struggling with accuracy. His footwork's a mess. There's all kinds of problems with him. And you'll see it. And you'll probably see it all game long, no matter how bad he plays. He'll continue to be trotted out there. <laughs> so, so, I mean, worst offense in the country, but one of the best defenses. Is this the, is this the best mm-hmm. defense you've ever seen? I mean, Jack Campbell's pretty good. Uh, Riley Moss is a freak. Oh, according to Bruce Feldman, first team All-Americans, pretty good. Yeah, I, guess you can... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean. Rutgers has one. They got a punter. Yeah, we got a punter. <laughs> we're, we're, we're fighting right behind with our guy, Tory Taylor. Yeah, this defense, I'm not ready to put it at the elite category, and that's what this program has been built on, is defense and what they did with Norm Parker, the old defensive coordinator, now Phil Parker. No relation, but he took over and has really adapted and changed it and, and taken the scheme to the 21st century. Uh, what they're able to do up front, and they're a little banged up there. Noah Shannon, one of their starting defensive tackles, only played five snaps last week, and he might be a guy that is limited if he does go this week. But they are so deep at the defensive line position. I think it was seven, eight years ago. Uh, Iowa had a really good team at, right at the turn of the century. 20, 2009 went to the Orange Bowl, preseason top 10 team in 2010, and they lost a lot of close games in 2010 because they only played def- four defense alignment. And they went to Georgia, they talked to them, they said, if you want to compete at the defense, you got to get depth there. And they've done that. They have 10 guys that they are very confident with at that defensive line. Uh, if it isn't Noah Shannon this week, a defensive tackle, you'll see a guy named Lucas Van Ness. He was a guy yeah. out of Illinois, not a real highly regarded guy coming out of high school. He is Hercules. I mean, this guy is an absolute monster. 6'4", 280, not an ounce of fat on him. He likes to, of course, roll up the shirt a little bit and show off those abs. He is a behemoth. He'll be playing inside. He plays outside as well. He comes in, plays defensive tackle. But the depth is what really sets them apart. You mentioned Campbell at the linebacker spot. He is. He's worth the price of admission. He is an old-school middle linebacker, rangy, six foot four. will make plays all over the field. And, and the biggest uh, maybe surprise this year has been at cornerback. They had an injury before the season. Uh, one of their starting corners was out. Cooper DeGene has come in. He's been the, the guy as they run their cash position, kind of a nickel slot guy uh, that goes out there. But he's been also playing a lot of cornerback. He is a six foot one, ridiculous athlete. He played quarterback in high school, small school uh, up in Northwest Iowa. Won the state championship in football. He's dropped uh, drop step dunking over kids at the high school level when he was playing at six foot one. He is a freak athlete. He's going to be on the freaks list for Feldman coming up next year. He is absolutely ridiculous, and maybe the next Jason Seahorn. We don't see a whole lot of uh, guys that look like us playing cornerback in the NFL. <laughs> I was say, Cooper DeGene. Yeah, I was going to drop that opportunity. I'm sure you've, you've heard a lot of Jason Seahorn talk around Riley. Riley Moss yes. and now Cooper is Cooper just seen another white corner. I guess that's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. You guys got dudes at every level of the, of the defense. Like you guys got guys with 75 plus grades at every level of your defense. So and multiple mm-hmm. of them, like you said, there's a lot of depth on this defense. I think they're going to give Rutgers a lot of trouble this weekend. They do. Uh, defensive backfields played really well. Iowa's also had the free safety year after year. It's kind of this try-hard walk-on guy, right? The, 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 we like to call him the Tommy Soybeans that are out there and <laughs> worked hard, got their chance late in their career. They got another one in Quinn Schulte, 
but he's a little bit different. I mean, he packs a pop. He's got physicality. He had four pass breakups in the first game against South Dakota State. He looks. Uh, he's a little bit different. Plays at a different speed than some of the guys that we've seen in the past. And then Kayvon Merriweather. He's been a three-year starter. He's really, really good. He's one of the captains of this team. So defensively, it's really, really difficult to find a crack in this defense. And I think that's why we're maybe setting up for one of the lowest scoring games here, certainly of the season. Did you say <laughs> this is bothering me? Did you say they're not elite? The defense? No, no, no. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say, I thought you said not elite. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? No, no, I'm not ready to put him up there. Some of the best defenses, 2004, 2009 of the Ferentz era. They still got a little work to do to get there, but yeah, three games in. And again, the three teams that they played. South Dakota State. Didn't wasn't able to do a whole lot. Iowa State they have limitations offensively, mm-hmm. and then of course last week against Nevada. So got to see the competition ramp up a little bit more before I'm ready to put them up in that rarefied air of the great Hawkeye defenses. Sure, perfectly so, fair. So the Big Ten it boasts some of the best home experiences in terms of stadiums that uh, kind of exist in the country. Rutgers hasn't really had a big time home game in a while. Um, we had a few at the beginning of our Big Ten. Um, uh, membership with uh, the first game we played against Penn State, and then we had the the night game against Michigan. So this is going to be probably the best environment at SHI Stadium in almost ten years. It's Iowa's first road game of the season. Does, do either of those things worry the Hawkeyes? Because I, I don't think I could. I think it's easy to underplay that it's going to be like, oh, it's Rutgers, but it's really going to be a crazy yeah. environment this weekend. Yeah. Did I hear this is the first night game that they've had in like four or five years, something like that? Twenty seventeen. Yeah, yep. 2017, wow. So it has been a while. So my biggest concern about that is certainly the offensive line play. mentioned earlier how young they are up front, and you got a new center out there. One weird thing, too, about uh, Logan Jones, the center, is we've seen a ton of times this year in all three games where it feels like the cadence is off or he's slow snapping the ball. Guys are getting maybe a jump start, it feels like, at the tackle spot because the ball's not getting back there. Now you couple that with a road environment. It's going to be loud in there. A quarterback that has struggled this season and struggled with confidence, yeah. I think this is setting up to be a really, really scary matchup here because as good as the defense is, you still got to be able to score. I just don't know if I was going to be able to do it again this week. Mm-hmm. So I know there's not a ton of similarities between the two programs, but there, there is one interesting one in terms of recruiting. Marco Lane's QB commit, Jersey guy. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are your thoughts on him overall? And is, is he the future, or is, I want to say, I guess you got Lavish, you got May in the past two classes, you got Padilla, who's still there. Is that like, is what you guys are kind of banking on? Is it like Lane's future, this is it? Well, I, I think people are already <laughs> looking to 2024, so they got a kid out of Florida. Uh, that is athletic, can actually move around. So there's, there's excitement in it. I know that Lionez is a guy that can also move around. For me, do you guys know Tony Rapiopi, his quarterback coach? Yeah, yeah. Rapiopi, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Rassiopi's also been working for the last three years with Spencer Petras. That, I, I'm, to be frank, I'm super, super nervous about that. You know, you watch the workouts with Padilla, and it's all right. You're going you're gonna to fly right, slap left. He's throwing a slant route. I, I think he does too much, putting too many things in the guy's head. Just let the guy, kids throw the ball. And because of that, for Lionez, I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned because of his quarterback coach, just because of what we've seen with Petras. So that's where I am. Yeah, people are already looking to 2024 and, and the kid out of Florida, hoping, hey, we got a fast guy in there, a guy that can move around a little bit. Maybe that'll be the future uh, we'll see about that but in quarterback recruiting it's so interesting and the way that they've done it but uh, Rassiopi and me I, I guess we're not real tight right now <laughs> I mean I he's, want he's hit or miss he's got Kenny Pickett yeah. on his uh, on his resume he's yeah. got Jared Guarantana who made the league I mean Art Zikowski, who's kind of dog shit but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to ask you something before we ask for your kind of prediction on how this game's going to go you guys were kind of like mm-hmm. the center of the college football meme universe a couple weeks ago when the cameos <laughs> started coming out from 
from uh, from uh, Fran McCaffrey, who should have probably known better, but a guy like Bob Stoops, I can get it. What has that yeah. been like to live? And like that was one of the the funniest things I've seen college football fans do in a while. And how many did you? You know, pay it was for? a great. <laughs> oh, I, I, I would have thought about it. Yeah, I, I might have had one to talk about our quarterback too. But the uh, it was a fun night when they kind of needed it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was so much frustration inside the fan base. It was something a little bit different. It was goofy. It was silly. I was a little bit surprised. So I, I have uh, my former roommate. His wife works in the athletic department. And the emails that were flying around that Monday night, you know, how are we going to, what are we going to talk about? And yeah. they just let it slide. You know, they outside of Fran McCaffrey coming out with a statement, there wasn't a whole lot that was done there. It was absolutely hilarious. Whoever did that, I mean, kudos <laughs> to you. So it was such clever. a funny moment. They did it It was, so good. absolutely. Yeah. And it's something that a lot of the fan base is certainly thinking. Brian, go back to New England. Get out of here. <laughs> he was not alone in that thinking. Bob Stoops is, is a beloved figure. Bob Stoops, uh, back when he was the Florida defensive coordinator, everybody believed after Hayden Fry retired that he was going to be the guy. He was a safety at Iowa. His brothers all played at Iowa. He was a beloved figure. And it felt like a foregone conclusion that Bob Stoops was going to be the Iowa coach. He came and took his interview. After his interview, uh, they said, we still have one more person that we are going to interview. We promised to interview to. It turned out to be Kirk Ferentz. But in the interim, after they brought in Kirk the next day for Bobby Stoops went down to Oklahoma and took the Oklahoma job, of course. And before it could even be offered officially to him, he had already signed on with the Sooners. So there's always a lot of what if, you know, how different this program would be. Even with the great success that Kirk Ferentz has had and what he has done with this program, there's always that thinking, man, what could have been if Bob Stoops would have decided to come back home and become the Hawkeye coach? For sure. Uh, So I guess, how do you see this game going? Kind of has the feel of whoever wins, like, the turnover battle might end up taking this one. Mm -hmm. Whoever scores the most on defense (laughs) might take this one. How do you see it going? I I love the under. I know it's silly, and it's probably a square play, but I'm all over it. 34 and a half between these two teams. I mean, can you envision a scenario outside of a bunch of defensive scores that this thing is more than 13-10? I just, I, I can't. I cannot come up with a realistic scenario for either side where short hills and a defensive score, they're, they're going to be moving. With the great punters that are out there, it's going to be a field position game. I think we're destined to 12-10. 13-9, you know, something like that. It's going to be ugly. Maybe there'll be a safety in there, and we'll get 11-8, and everybody can make fun of us uh, across the college football <laughs> landscape on Saturday night. Uh, it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be old school. I think it's going to be a good one. Ultimately, I got you guys pulling it out. I'm going to go Rutgers 13-9. Wow. Okay. So I, football right there. A lot of <laughs> a lot of our fans are similarly down in the dumps that it's like, how is this offense going to beat anybody moving forward? So uh, mm-hmm. it sounds like we're just all kind of hating on our own teams right now. <laughs> but uh, is there anything else you had for, for Trent, Richie, or anything you'd like to plug, Trent? Yeah, I, I got one thing for you real quick. Are you coming out to Jersey yeah. this weekend? or? I'm not, no. Unfortunately, ah. not going to be able to make it out there. Uh, got Ohio State on the docket, so I'm going to be okay. going out to that one. And I've been to every Big Ten stadium as a fan. Now, I, I've been a media member for 20 years, but when I travel, I do it as a fan. And I've been to every Big Ten stadium, except for you two newbies. Haven't been out to Maryland <laughs> and haven't been to Rutgers, but hopefully be able to cross that off the list here uh, sometime pretty soon. In fact, I've never even been to New York or New Jersey, so definitely got to make that a full, you know, make it a four or five day kind of weekend type of thing and Absolutely. hit all the hot spots. Uh, some of my friends that are going out there, though, and that are taking the train to the game, they're a little bit nervous about heading back uh, to the city afterwards, getting back. That uh, late train, I, I've heard, is a little rough getting back to the city it's it's a pain in the ass i'll tell you that much <laughs> but uh I, I was asking you more for i wanted to know if you ever had new jersey corn just because it's like 10 times better than iowa corn from what oh, i'm being told no. from what i'm being told oh no uh, sources, say, sources say 
Hey, you, you can you can rip on our corn all you want because I don't like corn, so it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> you're not right. I know that, that's what I've heard many times. I've tried. I've tried. Just doesn't hit for me. Yes, God. All right. Well, Trent, where can we find you on social media? And uh, tell us a little bit about, about your podcast as well before you sign off. Yeah, you can find me at Trent Condon. I'll be complaining during the game a, a lot of that uh, throughout. I do the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast uh, every day, talking Hawkeyes on that front with Lockdown. And then I also host a daily radio show here uh, in Des Moines on KXNO 106.3 fm and 1460 am from 10 to noon so i uh, have that going on as well so always busy a lot of hawkeye talk we also uh, we have to talk cyclones in our markets and we do that but <laughs> it's pretty cool we get the marriage of the big 10 and big 12 we get to talk about two major conferences which is awesome and, and you guys out there of course you got your pro sports teams we're really cool in our market we have four nfl teams that really matter all kind of split the fan base between the chiefs the bears the packers and the vikings same thing with baseball so i'm a twins fan if there's summer they suck we don't have to talk about the twins my bears are terrible <laughs> we don't have to talk about them so it's a really fun market to talk sports in awesome well thank you so much once again for joining us uh it's been great to hear from an iowa expert's perspective on how this game might go and all about your team so thanks again trent all right thanks guys all right see ya I mean, that's pretty interesting. Some good stuff right there. Yeah, no, a uh, lot of good insight from Trent. Um, we did kind of get into uh, recruiting talk, and I want to finish that up. So uh, let's just kind of restart. Where are we looking as a, a visitor list for this upcoming game? Um, it's still pretty early. Uh, like I said, there's a couple big names, a couple commits. Uh, the biggest names would probably be Caden Brown, Erasmus Hall, probably New York's top recruit. Uh, it's hard to argue that one because Josiah Brown's pretty damn good too but he'll be there yeah. as well um, those two I mean like I said before Josiah was close to committing so at one point so it wouldn't shock me if he was going to commit again because he did make a couple more visits he did visit the Notre Dame's the Penn State's I think Michigan State too at one point um, Luca Gemma is one to really keep an eye on he's actually an intriguing linebacker prospect in 2024 I know uh, some of the other set network sites whatever you want to call them they have him ranked in the top 20 in the state, which I tend to agree with. I think he might be, like, top 15 around there. He's pretty good out of Ramsey High School. Um, Ramsey's been starting to get a little bit better and better each year, so he's one to watch. Uh, Michael Thomas the third, Donovan Catholic kid. He was on campus last weekend for uh, – or two weekends ago for Wagner. Got an offer, and he's coming back again. He's actually a Cerebral native, but he's obviously playing down at Donovan Catholic. So that's that's big right there. His, uh, his uncle, Sean Thomas – it's like one of the best ever I've ever seen at Cerebral growing up. Obviously, I was pretty young watching the Cerebral team, but um, he's, he might be better than him. So put it like that. Oh. Um, yeah. So, and then uh, Samaj Fuse, another 2026 line out of Ramsey and Max Horder. Um, basically, that's that's the list for now. We have a running list going on the message boards. Uh, it's going to be updated every hour, probably, uh, give or take. I know, obviously, a ton more names are going to come out. I'd be shocked if this list wasn't 50 deep by the Friday night, I would say, around then. Um, interestingly enough, I know Syracuse is making a push for some of these guys. Like, they got Caden Brown coming up on Friday, and then he's going to Rutgers on Saturday. So, I mean, it's 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 crazy for some of these recruits. They're making there, – there was a recruit last week that made a Michigan and uh, – what was it? Ohio visit? Ohio State visit in the same day? And it's just like – it's absolutely insane. But oh, I expect really? this, I this to be – yeah, same exact day. It was, uh, you know who it was? It was Notre Dame in Michigan. That's what it was. It was Jake Guarnera. Guarnera? Guarnera? 
I don't know, however you say it. He's, uh, I think his okay. dad was a Rutgers guy. From out of Florida, though, right now. But uh, regardless, um, this visitor list is going to be pretty big. It's going to be a big game for Rutgers. Uh, I'm going to get there early because I'm probably going to go eat some of that boardwalk food real quick and be a fat ass. And then okay. hightail it in there. Um, yeah, I mean, get there early. Get there right at kickoff. If you're not, you're probably going to miss something because that might be one of the only chances that either team has a score. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I wish I was going to be able to make it. I'm going to be in Europe starting tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so I got to record the pod by myself. Yeah, you got to you got to got to find you know, a guest. I'll leave, I'll leave I'll leave 20 bucks on the on the counter. You can <laughs> order some pizza or something. Uh just don't burn the place down. <laughs> uh, I can't guarantee that one. Well, uh, if you guys, you know, don't hear from us ever again, it's been fun doing the podcast. Uh, no, I'm sure we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I'll get Alex on and we'll we'll be good. Yeah, but guys, this has been a fun week of covering Rutgers. Um, stay tuned on to the boards because obviously that visitor list is going to keep growing. Um, there might be some random news that pops up before the game, but uh, let's go Knights and let's let's get to four and zero. Let's because I really do feel like this is a program defining game, even though it sounds stupid. Uh, but this is kind of like a good resetting point for Shiano 2.0 because he hasn't had this big time environment yet as Rutgers coach the second time around. He's finally getting it. He's got the program on the upswing, clearly. Second year in a row, they started 3-0 before they entered into a brutal Big Ten slate. Hopefully that slate gets a little easier moving forward with divisions evaporating. Uh, but this is really a huge moment in Rutgers sports uh, history. And it sounds hyperbolic, but it's not. Uh, this is a massive, massive opportunity because we could follow it up with another night game against Nebraska in two weeks because I don't think we stand sure. a chance against against Ohio State. But if we have two awesome environments in a row, that could really just be a great resetting point for Rutgers football. Um, yeah, sorry for the, yeah. the monologue there. No, no. But, hey, yeah, by all means, we're a hype man over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so be there, wear red. And we'll see, some of us will see on Saturday. Uh, go Knights. This has been another edition of the Night Court Podcast. Signing Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.